In this episode of History Class, we will be learning about the Haitian Revolution, which took place from 1971 to 1804. Before we learn about it, though, we need to understand what Canada was like at the time. Not much was happening inside of Canada, but Canada itself looked very different. Yukon, the Northwest Territories, part of Nunavut, most of British Columbia, part of Alberta, and a little bit of Saskatchewan were unexplored wilderness. Rupert's land consisted of Manitoba, a bit of Nunavut, and about half of both Ontario and Quebec. The remaining right of Quebec, as well as Newfoundland and Labrador, New Brunswick, Nova Scotia, and Prince Edward Island were called Lower Canada. The bottom half of Ontario was known as Upper Canada. Now that you know about Canada at the time, we can dive into the events of the Haitian Revolution itself. This was a series of fights involving Haitian slaves, three mixed-race people called mulattoes, as well as French, Spanish, and British soldiers. It was inspired by the French Revolution. It took place because the slave owners were cruel and the minority of mulattoes weren't exactly able to achieve their dreams. The Africans in Haiti won and were the first ex-slaves to gain independence for their country. You may be wondering why they were slaves anyways, so let's go back to the beginnings of the slave economy. European demand for sugar promoted economic growth in the Caribbean, where French slave owners brought African slaves to work sugarcane crops at Haiti. Conditions for the workers were extremely unhealthy. High death rates were caused by yellow fever and malaria. The overseers provided a bare minimum of basic needs to the slaves because they would usually die very quickly of disease anyway. Marriage of one woman to several men, called polyandry, became normal for the toilers. Having no legal rights led to cruel rape of the slaves by white employers. Slave rebellions were a fear of the masters, and they tried to prevent it with threats and gory violence. Even simply leaving the plantation or disobeying left the enslaved victims subject to cold-blooded torture such as whipping, burning, or castration. Starting from 1758, the planters passed unfair laws that restricted the rights of blacks and mulattoes to further their own power. 
However, the establishment of a caste system with three sections stopped them from doing so. The first caste were whites, further divided into the higher category of the crop owners and the lower subclass of overseers, workers, and shopkeepers. The second caste were mulattoes. Speaking of mulattoes, these were free people who usually came from mixed French and African descent or were ex-slaves who bought freedom from their owners. They were commonly educated, could read and write, and served better jobs than the slaves. For example, they could work in the army or as an administrator in the plantations. Sometimes they even inherited part of the plantation property, becoming slave owners. Finally, there were the slaves. This was divided into slaves who were born in Haiti and once imported from Africa. The ones born in the colony got better jobs on the plantations and were called Creoles, while the non-native ones were at the bottom of the caste system. There was a lot of social conflict in Haiti. As historian Paul Fregosi wrote, Whites, mulattoes, and blacks loathed each other. The poor whites couldn't stand the rich whites. The rich whites despised the poor whites. The middle class whites were jealous of the aristocratic whites. The whites born in France looked down upon the locally born whites. Mulattoes envied the whites, despised the blacks, and were despised by the whites. Free Negroes brutalized those who were still slaves. Haitian born blacks regarded those from Africa as savages. Everyone, quite rightly, lived in terror of everyone else. Haiti was hell, but Haiti was rich. It's no surprise that slaves led many rebellions to try and gain freedom. That's where the revolution comes in. The night of August 21st, 1791 was when the slaves started killing their European employers. Ten days into the war, the blacks had control of the entire northern province of the colony. The success of the Civil War was unparalleled by the other riots led by the toilers. The South was attacked starting in September. Rebels stole supplies from and burnt plantations, freed slaves, and occupied and burned the two major cities. The planters, as mentioned before, lived in fear of such a revolt and as such was somewhat prepared. However, they were outnumbered and couldn't counter well. Two million francs of damage were inflicted to the crops until they organized themselves into train bands. The Africans and mulattoes had power over a third of Haiti by 1792. Uprising triggered the National Assembly in France to grant several rights to the free blacks and send 6,000 soldiers in March. In the same month, a new governor named Leger Felicite Saint-Denat ended slavery in the north and the whites in the south were taken care of. A year later, in 1793, France declared war on Great Britain, starting the French Revolutionary War. Plantation owners were unhappy with Santanax's decision to abolish slavery in the north, so they wanted Britain to gain control of the colony. They believed that the British would reintroduce slavery. 
The British believed that gaining authority over Haiti would be beneficial as it was so rich from trading. Spain also joined the revolution on the slaves' side. By August, there were little more than half of the French soldiers remaining. A force of 600 British soldiers landed in Haiti from Jamaica. The French population were supportive of them, although most also hated them for restoring slavery wherever they went. Later on in August, Santanax freed all the slaves and abolished slavery completely. Three deputies were sent to gain the National Convention's permission to do so, and they gave their consent in February. The general of the slaves, Toussaint Louverture, still worked with the Spanish army though, being suspicious of the French. British soldiers sent earlier were too small of a division to gain control of the entire colony, so they instead conquered small portions. Santanax was relieved because he dreaded surrounding the city, Port-au-Prince. The planters weren't happy though, as they wanted to send out power over the entire island. A Spanish force had arrived in the northern province, and Toussaint joined them. The main British division set sail for Haiti in November, arriving in February 1794 and conquering three cities. In May, they went to Port-au-Prince as there were 45 ships filled with sugar that they could steal. The French sailors were able to leave unharmed in exchange for the cargo. In the same month, the French soldiers had to be split into two to counter the Spanish on both sides, Saint-Denis fighting in the north and General André Rigaud in the south. The British, meanwhile, were getting pushed back. Many of them died from yellow fever and every soldier who surrendered was executed. It was at this point that they launched the expedition called the Great Push, where about 30,000 soldiers would be sent to gain power over not just Haiti, but all of the West Indies. The soldiers to be sent there broke into riot before beginning their service because it was well known that working as a soldier in Haiti basically meant guaranteed death. The first attempt at sending out the fleet in November 1795 was met with a storm but it worked out in December. They landed in Barbados in March of the next year, deciding to commit a division to Port-au-Prince. That division then tried to gain authority over Leogin but disregarded the importance of bringing heavy weaponry. There was a defensive ditch with palisades built by the French, and one of the commanders were able to shoot down two ships out of three commanded by a certain admiral. The French then attacked, forcing the British to retreat to Port-au-Prince in a disorderly fashion. killed British troops as more and more regiments arrived. They died slowly from the disease, just lying in retreat in Port-au-Prince and other offshore enclaves. The soldiers demanded permission to leave Haiti, the cost of the expedition much outweighing their expected profits. As mentioned previously, serving in Haiti pretty much meant death, so it was unwanted by soldiers. 
Their troops were used to try and push back the Haitians, resulting in them becoming defensive and taking the fortress near Belay. Although the Haitians were retreating multiple times, they had a significant skill level, especially for ex-slaves with no experience in war. Some of the British generals sailed back to London to advise that they withdraw fully from the war in June of 1797. In March of the next year, one of the colonels, Thomas Maitland, went to Britain again to order a retreat from at least Port-au-Prince, if not the whole colony. In May, the British and Haitians agreed to an armistice and the British were able to leave Port-au-Prince. Now the British only had power over the towns of Mole, St. Nicholas, and Jeremy. At the time, they also had control of Jamaica and were urged by the governor there not to surrender Mole, St. Nicholas, which was returned by a threat from Toussaint. This threat was that the French army could invade Jamaica if they continued to pressure the British army into staying in Mole, St. Nicholas. Even though he wasn't allowed to, Maitland chose to completely leave Haiti. He agreed with Toussaint to make the British under Maitland abandon the colony in exchange for Toussaint not supporting any slave revolts in Jamaica. They had all left by 1798. The Great Push had cost some 4 million pounds and 100,000 men who were either dead or disabled from yellow fever. as mentioned earlier, was fighting in the south. He turned against the rest of the French and Haitians. He started the War of Knives in June 1977, and his army took no prisoners. The U.S. Navy, although previously unsupportive of Toussaint, decided to aid him with the boat USS General Green. Toussaint led a barricade on the city of Jacmel, which was occupied at the time by mulattoes under Rigaud. In March 1800, Jacmel was captured and Rigaud fled Haiti on a French boat. Although he was loyal to France, Toussaint practically dictated Haiti. It is estimated that the rebellion had cost lives of 350,000 Haitians and 50,000 Europeans. After learning all of that, let's find out with how this event affected Canada. There were two revolutions in Canada, the Upper Canada Rebellion and the Lower Canada Rebellion. The Haitian Revolution and the rebellions of 1837-1838, as they were called, are both considered part of the Atlantic revolutions of the late 1800s and early 1900s. They were also all caused by bad oligarchies. That's all for today, folks.